Hey travellers, welcome back to what's been another momentous week in travel and cruising. The hits just seem to keep on coming, with a profit warning from Flight Centre, cruising pauses extended and more border clampdowns, plus much more, so let's get into it. I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper. And this is Travel Daily News on the Fly. So Flight Centre is due to report its annual results next week, but they've given an early heads up about what's happening in their finances. And to be honest, it's pretty ugly. Can you sort of break it down for us, Bruce? Yeah, well, look, it's it's hardly surprising that with borders around the world closed, travel companies across the globe are really suffering. But that was really brought home this week when Flight Centre issued an ASX update warning that its results for the year to the 30th of June were expected to be a loss of about $850 million. Putting that into perspective, the company was trading quite well until mid-March uh, with a pre-tax profit of about $150 million. So in the last three months of the financial year, the company's overall lost more than a billion dollars. Wow. So how long can they possibly keep going with things like this? Well, that's a question a lot of people are asking, which is, I'm sure, why the announcement gave quite a lot of detail about efforts to cut costs and how much money flight centres got in the bank. CEO Graham Turner said there's liquidity of about $1.15 billion, and the company had done a lot better than it expected in reducing its cash outflow each month. They had a target of $65 million a month in spending, which still seems like an awful lot of money. Anyway, they managed to reduce that to $53 million in July, and then that went down to $43 million with a $10 million contribution from the government's JobKeeper scheme. But clearly, you know, it costs a lot of money to keep Flight Centre's business going. And as we all know, these restrictions imposed around the world, and particularly in our region, are really hampering any ability for the industry to recover. And in the announcement, Flight Centre confirmed there are minimal forward bookings happening. Screw put a bit of a positive spin on the corporate part of the business. Because there's essential travel still allowed, corporate is still bringing in some revenue, but the company only generated $17 million of its own sort of income last month on a TTV of about $200 million. Better than nothing, but with the size of the operation, just not enough at this stage. But having said that, even if things do continue at that level, the company does have at least a couple of years of headroom before it completely runs out of cash. And that $850 million, what were the major contributors to such a huge loss? Well, Flight Centre's announced a range of measures to deal with the crisis, including, of course, lots of job losses and the closure of more than 420 stores across Australia. And all those shops had fit-outs, which they're now writing off, along with goodwill. There were also some costs associated with the failure of some suppliers and payouts of entitlements to literally thousands of staff really put a big dent in the result. There's also a $140 million impact of previously recognised revenue relating to travel that's no longer expected to take place uh, because of ongoing border closures. All in all, a pretty bleak picture. You know, they're kind of taking their medicine now and Screw echoed the whole industry in urging the government to give us some data, some guidelines on what will be required for restrictions to lift. And I guess whether the end goal is immunity, suppression, eradication or just learning to live with COVID-19. And look, I totally agree with him. Unfortunately, it just seems governments across the country are oblivious to the carnage that their current policies are having. Look, we don't want coronavirus to spread and it's highly contagious, but clearly we just need to to live with it. We have flattened the curve. There's plenty of capacity in the health system now. So let's get a framework for when we can coexist in this new normal. Yeah, that really makes sense. Let's hope Screw's message gets through. In other news, there have been more developments in the Virgin Australia administration. What's happened there? Yeah, although at Deloitte, the administrators of Virgin Australia would have us believe that the deal to sell the remnants of the airline to Bain Capital is done and dusted, it's actually got to be ratified and voted on at a meeting of creditors, I think, and employees, which is now scheduled for early September. 
But right through the process, there has been this other group of bondholders, people and institutions who are owed about $2 billion in the process. This group's been sitting on the sidelines and attempting to approach the administrators and get some traction for a rival bid. They kind of missed out on the process back in June when Deloitte was conducting its shortlisting. Anyway, this week it emerged that this group is backed by a bunch of former Virgin Blue executives, including Rob Sherrard, one of the founders, and also Heather Jeffrey, who was the airline's head of public affairs for many years. And what are they proposing as an alternative to the Bain bid? We don't really know yet, but they're urgently seeking financial information from the administrators, as well as the opportunity to engage with employees and unions, which they're currently unable to do due to restrictions around Deloitte's bid process. I think on Tuesday this week, they lodged a formal case in the New South Wales Federal Court to get access to this data. And if they're successful, um, and I think we'll find out next Monday, I think it's really going to be game on. This does look like it's pretty serious. Deloitte wants to get the Bain deal across the line and has repeatedly said it's the only viable option. But this new group, which has now suddenly become very visible, says its alternative would see Virgin Australia stay as a majority-owned Australian company listed on the ASX instead of basically being an offshoot of a private US business. So since they're all former executives, do they want to run the airline themselves? No, not at all. They've made it clear they have full confidence in the existing management under Paul Scarra. They just want to recapitalise it and I'm sure return it to some of those inspirational early days when Virgin Blue was such a challenger in the domestic market. They've certainly got the expertise and experience and they're putting up a compelling case. So if the injunction is successful, I think we will see a genuine alternative proposal emerge. Anyway, some exciting times ahead. Although he's been very busy since taking the reins at AFTA, engaging with members and other stakeholders, there hasn't been much opportunity for the rest of the travel industry to engage with the Federation's newly appointed CEO, Darren Rudd. That's all about to change, with an exclusive Travel Daily interview in partnership with the Travel Industry Hub, next Wednesday at 1pm. To participate in this free Zoom session, register your details now at thetravelindustryhub.com. That's thetravelindustryhub.com. So moving on to cruise news, I believe there were some pretty optimistic predictions by Royal Caribbean this week about a possible restart in Australia. What's happening there? Yeah, this is very much in the you cannot be serious category. Obviously, cruise lines are under under a lot of financial pressure, and particularly those that are publicly listed in the USA. Um, They've got to provide quarterly financial updates, and that course exposes them to a lot of scrutiny. Anyway, this week, Royal Caribbean Group, the parent company of Celebrity Azamara and, of course, Royal Caribbean International, had to come clean about uh, sort of where they're at. And I suspect in an effort to reassure investors in the face of um, the extended cruise pause in the USA and seemingly an impasse with the Centers for Disease Control, Michael Bailey, who's CEO of the Royal Caribbean International brand, made this wild comment that it was possible that operations could resume in China and Australia before the end of October. I mean, let's put that into perspective. The Ruby Princess inquiry is about to hand down its findings. We've got borders closed across multiple states. There are new cases of coronavirus in New Zealand. Victoria's in total lockdown. And Bailey reckons we'll have Royal Caribbean's large ships operating here within two months. We got some hilarious comments on our Facebook page when we put the story up with a few people saying they thought it was more like a tutor advocate spoof rather than a serious suggestion. Look, don't get me wrong. I believe, along with many in the industry, that cruising can restart safely right now in Australia and elsewhere. But anyone with any iota of awareness of the political situation knows that is just so unlikely by the end of October because politicians just are so utterly risk averse. 
And what else happened in cruise this week? Yeah, a few cruise lines further extended their pause in operations, Seabourn, Crystal, Holland America. And we also saw Viking extend its cruise pause out to the end of December. All fairly predictable, but I do highly recommend watching the explanation of the situation by Viking CEO Torsten Hagen. He put a video up on the website at viking.tv, and it's a pretty well-reasoned and cautiously optimistic assessment of the situation. Um, He talks about the strength of Viking and the fact that because it's privately owned, there's no rush to return to service. He talks about the companies which have returned already and their early setbacks, but also notes that some river operators have also been quite successful in restarting. And also the cases that did pop up on those early adopters have been very well managed because there were protocols in place. Torsten's a fairly old bloke and I think he's got a lot of wisdom and he's quietly confident that things will return to normal and even that Viking is going to be operating this new environment without significantly impacting the overall holiday experience. And I do agree with him, and particularly his suggestion not to dwell on the negatives of the situation. He believes that we will get through this together, so let's lift our heads up and imagine a brighter future. Yeah, that's really good advice from Torsten. And so in that vein, as we wrap up, once again, we want to encourage our Victorian listeners to know that we are thinking of you in lockdown. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.